0: Love Talk Radio. Hi everyone, this is Denise Brown, your host of Your Caregiving Journey, a talk show that helps you as you help family members and friends. It's Monday, September 25th. It's 10 a.m. Central Time, and we're live out of Chicago. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. As you know, we start our day and our week on Mondays, and we hope with our Monday morning podcast you feel comforted and understood and ready to tackle the day and the week. Couple quick updates for you. So our next contest related to our National Caregiving Conference is our caravan contest. So here's how it works. Organize a group, come to our conference, and you could win 100 bucks for your group. So it could be your support group, it could be coworkers, it could be friends. You could be currently in a caregiving situation or adjusting to life after caregiving ends. The deadline to enter the contest is October 20th, and what you want to do is register your group. So you get a discount when you register three or more. So one registration for your group, and then in your order notes, when you're registering and you're just about to pay, you're prompted to add an order note in your order note, tell us about your caravan. Tell us about who's coming with you, how you know each other, what your goals for the group and the conference are. And then come to our conference. So it could be that a group of you drive together to Chicago. It could be a group of you that are in the Chicago area carpool to the conference. It could be a group of you decide to come from farther away and you're gonna fly That's a caravan, and you can enter our contest and get a little mad money (laughs) by joining us through the caravan contest. You'll find details on caregiving.com, and the deadline to enter is October 20th. So again, organize a group, and when I say group, I mean you and one other person come together to the conference, tell us about your caravan, when you register to join us and then you'll be entered for a chance to win a hundred bucks. We'll announce our winner on October twenty first. We just finished up one of our contests around innovation. So we had a call for Caregiving Innovators. We asked for you to talk about a product or a service or a piece of equipment that helps make caregiving easier. We had eight entries And then we voted on our favorite, and the top three become the finalists in our Caregiving Innovation Contest. So I announced the three winners on Saturday, and those three winners will have an exhibit table at our National Caregiving Conference. And then we vote for our favorite at the conference, and then the one who has the most votes wins. So you can check out those innovators when you go to caregiving.com and you'll learn more about them when you come to the conference. So again, our National Caregiving Conference is is November 10th and 11th in Chicago, conveniently located near O'Hare. So if you're flying in, it's easy to get to the hotel. If you're driving, we are near all the major expressways. And if you're using public transportation, we're by one of the L stops along the blue line. So however you're gonna get to our conference, We hope that it feels convenient. And you can find out more about our conference by going to caregiving.com. You can join us as an attendee, as an exhibitor, or as a sponsor. And we'd love for you to join us in any of those three capacities. Okay, I think those are the updates for you. So since September started, we've been in encouraging panelists and presenters from our conference to join me on Monday morning to talk about their session. And I'm very excited about today's guest because she has a great session planned for us on Friday, November 10th, and it's called Be Bold in Your Career Advancement. And the presenter is Lauren Milligan, and she has worked with thousands of professionals in all stages of career advancement for the past 15 years. She has developed tools and exercises that have enabled emerging leaders, and that's you, to take the next crucial career step and has empowered established leaders to reach previously insurmountable goals. Simply put, when it comes to getting your next job, Lauren knows how to Lauren knows what you need to do to get there. So good morning, Lauren. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. So
0: one of the things that's so great about your presentation is that we are caring for a family member and we're trying to keep our career on track. And I thought it was great that we're going to talk about how to stay current with our career advancement, in particular, as it relates to being ready for what's next. And being ready for what's next means we keep our resume up to date and ready, which is probably the last thing we do, given all the priorities in our life. But I'm hoping that we realize how important it is to do that. So why do we always
1: keep our resume as up to date as possible? Well, (laughs) and I think you hit it on the head, we're supposed to. Do we in reality? No. (laughs) Um, And that's because it's not fun. It's not easy. We don't know what the employers are looking for. Um, And a lot of times when people are doing things like caregiving or or, um, doing things that that may mean a little bit of a sidetrack from the career, we're not necessarily in the right headspace either. But exactly what you said, it's important to be ready at a moment's notice because none of us knows what's around the corner. Um, One conversation at a grocery store at your child's soccer uh-huh. game, um, you know, for a family member, just one conversation could really change your career trajectory. Uh, and so when those conversations happen, everyone, you know, you want to jump on that energy. You want to say, yes, absolutely. I'll get my resume out to you tomorrow or this afternoon or whatever. You don't want to say, oh yeah, I haven't written that in about 20 years. Let me get back to you in a couple of weeks. As everyone knows, when opportunities happen, it's, you know, it's great to be able to respond to them when the energy and the momentum and the need is at its highest. Okay, that's critical. And I think what happens is we dismiss and
0: minimize any opportunities with our career during caregiving. We think there's never going to be a job that gives me the flexibility that I need. There's never going to be the career advancement that I want because I'm so focused on caregiving. However, if we dismiss those opportunities, they're not gonna come.
1: <laughs> so what we well, wanna do is think that's of, right. And actually oh, if go I ahead. can interject thing. If I can because you said something that was so critical, people think I'm never going to find a job that gives me that I need right now. Well, guess what? In this time right now, there are more that flex- never than, than, than in history. <laughs> so, um, And I just, I didn't want to let that point get missed in this because you said something so smart, you know, that, that that is what people are concerned about. But guess what? Never before in history have there been so many jobs that allow flexibility for the ones outside of the office. Yeah, you're breaking up just a little bit.
0: So it's important to know that there are employment opportunities out there for us. And we want to be clear about what we're looking for. And so I think about a family caregiver that I connected with last week. She was in our Certified Caregiving Consultant Training Program. She's positioning herself to be ready for going back to work after her mom dies. Her mom is going to be entered into hospice soon because of the the spread Mm -hmm. of her mom's cancer. And so she was okay. thinking about a part-time job. So she thought, okay, I need a part-time job. Now we could think, oh, you'll never find a part-time job. But she was networking. Guess what? She was able to find a part-time job that's perfect. And that's why you want to have your resume ready, right? And that, when that's
1: perfect, what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Being clear and about what you need And these opportunities are out there. Yeah. And being ready, too.
1: And and being ready. And, you know, the thing is, companies out there, companies are evolving in what their needs are with their employees. So a lot more companies are looking at contract workers, part-time, flex time. All of those things are more available than ever before. So that was the point. I, just, I, I didn't want to let this conversation, you know, without really encouraging people to look for those opportunities because they are more available than ever before and quite frankly a lot of, a lot of those those new types of opportunities are because of the current recession that that we're kind of screwing ourselves out of um you know which is good news but at the same point those people who need more alternative type of hours or logistics they're out there those options are out there
0: yeah and you know what we kind of live in a 24-7 world with our business, and so it could be that you could just find a job in a call center that has a second shift, and that feels right now, given what's going on with caregiving. Why not have a resume ready that you can give to an employer that has that kind of an opportunity? I think the other That's thing is we, right. forget what, yep. we forget what we've done, Right. So if we keep our resume current, we remember what we've done. <laughs> we remember
1: well, what the work actually, <laughs> You know, that, and that's actually a big, big part of it because when I, you know, when I'm working with people on their resumes and they, you know, I, I talk with a lot of people who have a resume in 20 years, It's like, okay, well, we'll focus on the past 10 years, but it becomes a daunting task. That becomes what feels insurmountable supposed to remember what I did ten years ago. And that's why you know, going through periodically and updating things and or just even taking notes in a notebook. Hey, this project happened. Here's you know, here's what I did, here's what you know, whether it's just taking notes, not even officially updating the resume, just something a little bit more informal of I'm just gonna write down some memory triggers about this stuff because at at a certain point in time, I'm going to want to make sure to give myself credit for it on my resume. Yeah. So here's kind of a a very specific question, but what's
0: the difference between a resume and a CV?
1: Okay. So in America, it, this this kind of it's it's kind of an international answer. So in America, there isn't a huge difference between a resume and CV, except for. CVs in America are um, are usually uh, usually held by people who are lawyers, doctors, researchers, university professors, people who have done a lot of publishing, um, writing, in addition to the actual tangible parts of their job. So a CV would include those. Here are all the magazines and. Articles and white papers that i've contributed to here are the additional teaching positions that i've held in addition to my professorship at this university things like that so um, an accountant doesn't need a cv um, a um, administrative assistant doesn't need a cv those are just going to be resumes now in other countries generally the term is not resume, it's CV. Even what, what is more of known as a resume here in America would be called a CV in other countries. So, the, the and in America, only, only certain professions actually require a CV, which is kind of nice because if you're not in that category, then you don't have to overthink what your resume actually needs to be.
0: Okay. So, in a perfect world, how often do we want to update our resume?
1: <laughs> in a in a perfect world <laughs> my goodness right um in a perfect world i would say you know at least once a year um you know i i have people that come to me every time a major shift happens in their career which could be every 9 months every every 6 months every year i also have people who come back to me every 4 or 5 years um it just depends on how much work you want to put into it which kind of a little counterintuitive, I, I suppose, but the more often you do it, the easier it is. The less often you do it, um, the more you actually have to think about it and be part of the process of, okay, now I have to think about what I did four or five years ago. Even four or five years ago, thinking about the accomplishments and the results that you produced can be really difficult. So if you do it once a year, that kind of takes the um it, it kind of takes the hard work. It's work, but it takes the hard work out of it because you're not having to go back so many months or years in the process.
0: So here's the other piece about updating on a resume that completely stops us, and that is if we've had to take a leave from our career in order to care for family members. So we look at that gap in our resume and we think, oh, I have no
1: idea what to do with this.
0: So, how do we approach that gap in our resume?
1: Okay, so a couple things here. First of all, you know, unfortunately, I, I, there's not a "Hey, this is the exact sentence that everybody should use. It's the perfect one that fits every scenario. That doesn't exist, of course, right? Going back to perfect world, haha. Um, so you know there, there's not going to be a one-size-fits-all answer. However, in general, what first of all, what I want everyone to think of is this. It's very likely that the person who will be looking at your resume or your future manager will also have some gap in their career because it's actually not that uncommon anymore so on that respect, gaps in employments they're a little bit when um, they're a little bit more human. <laughs> You know, because most everybody has gone through them, so it's it's not the kiss of death that people that people tend tend to think that they are. So on that you know on that note, give yourself a gap because chances are the people that you're going to be talking with they also have gone through something similar. Now, as far as the actual okay, the functionality of it, how do I explain that? Um, the first thing I do is look at it. You know, how long was that gap? Okay, well, are we talking about a couple weeks? Are we talking about a couple months? Are we talking about a couple years? Each of those is going to be treated in its own way. If it was a couple years um, where it really is a little bit more of an out loud <laughs> situation on the resume than, than if it was less time, then it might be another thing. Uh, were there other volunteering opportunities that you took advantage of, or did you learn you know, a lot of the people that I've worked with that have had long time learned how to manage a budget. They learned how to um, work with the healthcare system and with a variety of doctors. They learned time management skills. They learned things that uh, computer skills. That that's another one that, that some of my some of the they actually had to. Um, make charts and timelines and databases on computers that they, on programs that they hadn't used before. So are there any, you know, you want to stretch, you know, stretch and think about what you did over that entire time that could be skills that can be brought into the resume. If that's the case, then it's more of promoting the skills you have rather than just trying to minimize the gap or minimize the length of time that you were out so that's the first thing that i do what are the positives what are the benefits um that an employer is going to look at this and say okay well that's actually in you know that that actually makes you that much more qualified for this role that's the number one thing and then the second thing is depending on the situation sometimes one sentence is just enough you know volunteer leave Um, from 2014 to 2016 while I provided care to a family member. sometimes just something that's small is enough because then the rest of the resume goes back to focusing on your skills and your qualifications and, you know, the the actual tangible work experience that you have. So in each situation it's a little bit different. But if it is a matter of, gosh, this was just time out, uh, you know, time away while I was caregiving, Um, sometimes it's best just to kind of minimize and deflect. And certainly in a caregiving
0: situation, you have gained incredible skills. And I think we have a tendency to minimize that. So it's the budgeting, it's the advocacy, it's the problem solving, it's the brainstorming. It's really thinking about what were the skills that you implemented and really honed during caregiving. You may have managed home care workers. That's important, too. You you gained managerial skills as well.
1: And that's where, you know, that working with someone, whether it's a professional resume writer, whether it's a friend, you know, whether it's um, someone at a school that you went to, whatever it is, that's where working with someone else is going to, you know, sometimes that objective voice. Because, oh, you know, everybody gets into situations where where they can't find that objectivity because they're just so knee-deep in it, right? But if you work with someone else, um, and allow them to ask the questions and allow them to look at the situation from more of an 80,000-foot perspective rather than on the ground floor, um, having someone else say, but wait a minute, you you, know, you had three professional caregivers coming in, and you had to manage them. And, some Some of the things they weren't doing quite right, so you had to redirect them, and you had to give them instruction and uh you know all this kind of stuff. Someone else may look at that and say, these are skills, these are resume skills that an employer is going to want, so you know bringing in asking someone else for help is always is always a good thing when you're trying to negotiate all of the things that you did and then actually give yourself credit and um gosh, Denise, I will tell you, one of the things that I find. With people who have been in this situation is they're so used to thinking about other people first and putting other people's needs first that by the time it comes to their own needs, such as getting a career back on track or getting a job search back on track, they don't give themselves then credit for the work that they've been doing during that time. And that's a big mistake.
0: Absolutely. And just as a side note, we do have a webinar that's archived on caregiving.com called Using Caregiving to Help Your Career. And during the webinar, I do ask you to think specifically about certain situations you encounter during caregiving that are helpful in your career. So you can watch that webinar as well. And I love what you I love the, the point that you just made, which is we are so focused on others that we forget about what we do that really enhances our skills and it's important that we give ourselves credit for it and not minimize it just like we're not minimizing what opportunity could be out there we're not going to op- minimize our skills that could help us during our career
1: that's it's it's crucial <laughs> and remember here's the thing if you don't give yourself credit for the work that you've done if you don't give credit to yourself for the skills that you have either learned or enhanced, who will? An employer <laughs> isn't going to put that together, right. for, isn't going to look at this and say, well, look at this. She was out, you know, she was out of work for two years while she was caregiving to this family member. I'm going to guess that she improved her time management skills. I'm going to guess that she enhanced her leadership skills. Employers don't do that. You, ha, you, know, you have to be the one to do that for yourself and make that a clear, clear message so that it stands out to the employers who need those skills. There's one question I've always
0: had about resumes that I wonder if I could ask you, and that is when we create a resume, sometimes we put that one sentence that says what we're looking for. I can't remember what that, that's
1: called. It's called an objective statement. Yes, do we want to include an objective statement in our resume? I'm going to tell you something. I've been writing resumes professionally for over 16 years now, and in 15 years I've never once written an objective statement. Now, I write a summary state I write a summary statement, 3 to 5 sentences that it talks more about you, but an objective statement, I mean, let's face it, most of them sound like to obtain a challenging career in a growing company where I can utilize my skills in education, right? That doesn't work. Employers know what your objective is. Your resume, your objective is to get a job, right? Write a summary statement that serves more as an introduction to who you are, what skills you have to offer, where you're looking to take your career, what you love about your work, whatever it is, but I like to think of a summary statement as if i um, I am introducing this job seeker to the potential employer. What would I say about this person? I'm not going to say, "Hey employer, uh, sh- you know, my friend Sharon here is looking for a job that utilizes her skills and education. <laughs> you know, and by the way, you better be a growing company." It's it's much more <laughs> thoughtful than that. <laughs> you know, it's more thoughtful than that. Um, it's more intentional. It's more co- it's even a little bit more conversational. Um, and it, It serves as a better way to introduce yourself. So objective statement, no. Summary statement, yes.
0: Okay. I've never included an objective statement. It always felt so trite. And I felt like I always thought when well, you get a it. thumbs up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. is. It is trite. And it's uh, frankly, it's a waste of space because employers don't mm. even read the objective statement. But if you if you do put together a really nice summary statement, which by the way is going to be one of the things that I um coach people on during my presentation <laughs> at your you know, at at the conference, uh, we'll go through and, and talk about how to put together a really fascinating, um, engaging mm-hmm. Summary statement that is going to start those conversations between you and your next employer. Love it. So, here's my
0: other specific resume question How long is our resume? Is it a page? Is it two pages? What's the guideline? Okay.
1: So, here's the thing again, I'm a professional resume writer and I love a one page resume. However, I know that that's not always the right way to go. So, Two page resumes are okay, but that second page has to justify itself. And here's the secret. And I, w- I was a recruiter for a number of years, too. So I know how recruiters work and I know how they think. And I'm also an, an, a hire, I, I hire for my own company. So I see this from both sides of the table. And here's what I'm going to tell you here's the secret. No one ever got hired or no one got an interview off of the second page of their resume. <laughs> it's, it's all about the first page. So when you think about that, when you go, go into updating your resume thinking no one's even going to look at the second page of my resume, that really, really changes how you treat the first page of your resume I don't, you know, I see a lot of resumes that have, and then a summary statement, and then a list of accomplishments, and then a list of technical skills, and then a list of professional affiliations. And by the time you get to the employment history, it's either all the way down to the bottom of the first page or it starts on the second page. Big mistake. Start at the very, very top with your contact information and then a Statement and then get into your work history because that's where all the decisions about bringing you in for an interview is going to be made.
0: Okay, that's excellent.
1: And so I'll say you something. Any... I have my I have a team of resume writers that work for me, and they all – they all grumble about it because they'll send me their resumes for their clients and it'll be a two-page resume or one-and-a-half-page resume and I'll look through it and I can always find something to cut out. I don't think this is as important. Cut, cut, cut. And then before you know it, this one-and-a-half-page resume is now a one-page resume. And they're like, but, Lauren, I love those bullets that I wrote. It's like, well, we'll put them on the LinkedIn profile then, not on the resume. So <laughs> so I really, you know, yet resumes. Yes, I approve two-page resumes, but I always think that a one-page resume is usually it usually has a lot more.
0: Yeah, I love that tie into your LinkedIn profile. So what you loved that's out of the resume isn't in the garbage. It's on your LinkedIn profile, which really beefs that up. I love that. I love that.
1: Yep, where it, where it but can we, still live on. So it's it's great information. It can live on in the LinkedIn profile. I'm fine with that. <laughs>
0: So we have just a little over two minutes left. So
1: I, I'm wondering
0: if, if you ha- see any trends in what employers are looking for in terms of resumes, how people are starting to do their resumes maybe a little differently
1: considering we live
0: in this online world. What do you think?
1: You know, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's really interesting that thanks to social media, our professional lives kind of blend in together. The lines between the two have blurred. And when it's done well, I'm seen some really bad we've all seen bad examples of that. But um now to bring in some of the things that you do in your personal life um as part of your professional message. People are okay with that, especially because companies are now they're taking on more initiatives that expand their their footmark into the Community, okay? So bringing in more of your volunteer activities or your personal mission is actually okay. Um, In terms of resume writing, like I said, you know, a one-page is good because a lot of the information that people can also find about you is going to be online. So it doesn't all have to be crammed into your resume because in the next couple years, your resume is not going to be the only thing that people consider when they're looking at you for employment. Um, so it is more about what you're putting on LinkedIn and Facebook and the other social media avenues. Um, and that that's kind of where I see the trends going, is that la- the line between one's personal and professional life getting blurred a little bit. But like I said, when it's done well, it's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that, and you can still put out a wonderful, amazing, unique, and customized message that's still going to reach the heart of your future employer. That was perfect. <laughs> okay, so Lauren, for our
0: for our listeners who'd like to be in touch with you, not only can they connect with you at our conference,
1: but also how can they reach you online? What's your website? Well, my website is resume like May day. dot com. Like Mayday, Mayday. So if you go to resume day. dot com, um, or if you just look up Lauren Milligan, resume writer or resume lady or whatever, I'm I'm <laughs> I can be found a couple different ways that way fairly easily.
0: Awesome. I am so excited that you're going to be a part of the conference. I think this is such a critical session that you're delivering, and I think the value for our attendees is really incredible. So thank you so much for joining us today, Lauren.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much. I can't wait for the conference. I'll see you there.
0: And thanks, everybody, so much for listening. Just a reminder, you can join us in person or virtually at the second annual National Caregiving Conference in person. It's November 10th and 11th. And if you're going to join us in person, Lauren's presentation is at 9 a.m. on November 10th. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for listening. I'm Denise Brown. Be sure to stop by caregiving.com. Let us know how you're doing because we always love to know. Take care. Bye-bye.